Welcome to the Mount Hall Podcast 55. I'm Mo, I'm here with Al. Uh, I guess we have to start with the with the with the news that Keith Flint is dead. Yeah. Um, uh, news broke kind of early on, on Monday and uh, we're recording this on, on Wednesday morning and I, I still haven't got my head around it to be honest. It's just very sad, isn't it? Yeah. When anybody dies, it's very sad. And Liam came out on Instagram and said that Keith had taken his own life. Yeah. Which is just a very sad thing to happen because suicide is preventable and it's very sad. Yeah, it's awful. Um, I mean, the, the circumstances around it are obviously make it all the more difficult, I think, for everybody. I mean, neither of us knew Keith, of course, but I, I can only imagine for people that knew him but for fans as well and for, for his peers and people that have worked with him it's just it's just an awful thing for everyone to try and wrap their heads around um, but just the fact that as, as we seem to have had to deal with all too many times in the music industry in recent years someone who just felt like such a constant of the of the alternative music scene is now just suddenly suddenly not there anymore I mean I saw Prodigy only what are we now just in March three months ago in November um, and it was still just they were still as and I know with a lot of bands people get tired of the, they're as good as they've ever been kind of rhetoric but Prodigy was still just one of the best live acts in the world and that last album was so good as well I thought it really uh, was just this really wonderful kind of compacted version of uh, everything that's made Prodigy just in my opinion one of the greatest bands in the world over the last three decades um, and to think that not just the fact that Keith is gone, but the the prodigy as we know them, uh, we don't know if we'll we will. I don't. I don't know. They've cancelled all their dates, of course, so we don't know if we'll see them live again. I don't know where Liam's head will be at in terms of making new music. I imagine he hasn't even started thinking along those kind of terms yet. But um, even though the prodigy has very much always been Liam's band in terms of the, he writes the music and he's kind of guided it. He's guided their trajectory over the the last thirty years. Keith was the face of the prodigy and he was the kind of the soul of the prodigy as well and I think as as metal fans um, what made the prodigy such a huge band for us and kind of one of the only real dance bands that have just been universally accepted by the alternative music scene was Keith Flint. Uh, you go back to that video for Firestarter in 97 and I mean, I remember the first time I saw that and I was 11, I was 11 years old or maybe even 10 years old, actually. Um, I was around my dad's house and I remember I just saw this weird black and white nightmare on the television of this freaky looking clown guy jumping around in this abandoned London underground uh, track. And it was, it was at that point, I think it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in a music video. And I didn't even go back to Prodigy for about, I don't know years and years after that because I was like this shit's too abrasive for me and for that to come from a dance act was just unbelievable um, and Keith was such a massive part of that live he was obviously such a such an important facet of what the Prodigy were as well um, and he's just it's just so strange to think that he's just he's just not there anymore um, yeah as I say I haven't I haven't really got my head around it properly yet because they're, they're one of my favourite bands I wrote a piece for Hammer kind of that just was quite soon after the fact but um yeah like you said you like you said uh, what a fucking horrible thing to have happened and um i guess we'll have to see what what the prodigy decide to do from here yeah and we should say actually that you know 
if you are having any uh, difficult times or low feelings, Samaritans are there, a fantastic organisation who always listen. It's You can obviously reach them at samaritans.org or give them a call or email them. It's all free. And if you're somebody who knows somebody who's struggling, they've also got a section of their website about listening tips called Shush, which is all about how to listen to people, um, because obviously listening to people who are going through something can save a life as well. So well worth checking out Samaritans.org for all their information. They're just great organisation, great people. Absolutely. Um, There's obviously a lot of rhetoric that comes out in the aftermath of these kind of events where people talk about don't be afraid to talk and... Um, you know everything I just said there is so important so please don't be afraid to reach out to people and also just just you know listen to people as well and watch out for each other because it's just I don't know it's, it's a horrible thing to think that anyone could ever find themselves in that situation <sighs> fucking horrible um, let's move on to positive stuff shall we we went to see the excellent uh, while she sleeps this week we did. at uh, one of the gigs I think we were both probably uh, you know, pretty excited for one of the. I'm trying yeah. to say one of the most excitable gigs that we were going to this year. Yeah, <laughs> for we, one of the better, for one of the much better use of grammar, wasn't it? We were anticipating one of the most highly while. anticipated. We yeah, were thinking sorry. about it coming. We were, exci- we were getting excited about it. Yeah. Playing the Roundhouse, which is their biggest venue to date, uh, and also again we've mentioned before, it's a London venue. It's an old ex engine shed, and it's a very ornate kind of cool space to play a show in that is literally round. And you can see from from everywhere, from all angles, and you feel quite close to the band. So I guess we should talk about the supports a bit first. Uh, I got there for Stray from the Path. When did you arrive? I got there a little bit into Stray from the Path yeah. as well. So they, I last saw them at Slam Dunk, and a guy came out the crowd clutching his nose, bleeding everywhere, just having a lovely time. And we were kind of like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm bleeding everywhere. And we're like, cool, we'll let him be. So, um, obviously very incendiary kind of band. They write a lot about politics. I know a lot of people have compared them to Rage Against the Machine in that respect, but they've obviously got a more hardcore grounding. And it's funny to see them somewhere like the Roundhouse, because you do it's an artsy kind of venue as well. They do a lot of um, charity and community work there, and it's a very kind of arts-based organisation. So to sort of see a venue that also hosts kind of choirs and classical have a band like Straight From The Path going crazy all across the stage is always quite funny to see mm-hmm. in a good way it's positive and the whole floor was a mosh pit for the entire time like it was absolute chaos yeah, obviously really encouraging it response. but it was really insane and he asked how many people had seen the band hadn't seen the band before and I was like oh quite a lot of people have put up their hands you know there are obviously people who haven't seen the band before but then there are a huge amount of people that had seen the band before mm. and were screaming out the lyrics and really going for it so they're a proper warm-up band if you want to talk about a warm-up band straight from the path absolutely did it it brought out Sankara as well it did bring out Sam Carter. Yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah. What, what an awesome touch. <laughs> I like the way bring out Sam Carter, like he's some kind of <laughs> prop or robot. Roll him out. It's Sam Carter, but no, they're obviously mates. And um, I saw Straight from the Path support architects in Brighton four years ago, something like that. You know, obviously Buds. And yeah. he came out and it was really nice to see. Awesome. Absolutely. Now, while she sleeps, um, I, I mean, we've talked about them a lot on this podcast, but I kind of feel like... Uh, they've had such a 
a confused journey, really, in a oh, way. It's I think we always go back to like a lot of false starts. Yes, a lot of word, false starts. Yeah. So it's kind of like they were one of the most exciting bands in, in British metal, undoubtedly, when the North, Still, uh, the North Stands For Nothing came out. Um, this is the six, I think, still one of my favourite um, kind of heavy debuts of the last 10 years. Then they kind of fucked it. Um, you know, Loz's voice uh, got into trouble and he had uh, you know, operations and there was a lot going on there. Um, and the uh, Brainwash didn't come out, the, the sophomore album didn't come out for like three years after, which really stalled their momentum. And it was all kind of a bit like, you know, is this gonna happen for them or not? Um, you are we seem to get them back on track, I think. Uh, definitely helped along by the song with Ollie because that just absolutely exploded for them, which was great. Um, supported Architects at Alexandra Palace, I think in 2017, was it? Or early 2018, maybe? I can't remember. Around that time. And uh, even though they were a support band, kind of like what we were just saying with the Stroke in the Path, you could say a lot of people knew who they were, a lot of people knew their big songs. That was really great to see. So now they've got to a point where they're selling out the Roundhouse, which honestly, if you'd asked me that, I don't know, a year after Brainwash to come out, I'd have said they're not, they're never going to get to that level now. Yeah. They're going to be that cool kind of slightly above bar level uh, venues band where like they're quite credible and, and well thought of within the British metal scene, but that's about it. And now they're bringing along a choir to, to build the, to yeah, build the cool. So first, I guess the first question is, what do, what do you think of the choir? I liked it. They had five guys on the left and five girls on the right and it added a sense of fullness to the sound which was cool and i think whenever you have something like that as well it adds i don't want to say legitimacy because i think that's doing people a disservice but it kind of elevates bands a little bit it kind of says look we've done something a bit special uh look what we can do with our music we can kind of do something a bit different and it does probably make outsiders stand up and take a bit more notice if they hear about it because they think, oh, you know, I thought alternative musical metal was, you know, not great. And then they've got a choir. So it kind of shows the outside world who maybe don't understand that there's something else going on. Yeah, yeah. But I, I liked it. Um, like I said, it rounded out the sound. It sort of added something extra. And I think because they have a lot of gang vocals in their songs and a lot of the songs are about sort of community and bonding together, it added it did add to that sort of sense of togetherness of having an experience together and having those extra people on the stage gave you sort of something else to mm. look at as well, as stupid as that sounds. It's, it's sort of another focal point and just kind of added to the excitement of it, really. I enjoyed it. I thought the choir was really good. And I think in the kind of more mellow moments, you could hear them. I did think that a lot of the time they were made a bit redundant because the crowd was so loud. Yeah, no, And there was quite a lot of time, like in the really big sing-along moments, I, li- I think I can hear him. <laughs> I could just hear this like wall of people, which is great. But um, I kind of, I thought like, yeah, it definitely rounded it out more. And as the gig went on, like you said, out, you could kind of see how well it fit in because they got the gang chants and they've got the big sing-along melodies and all that kind of stuff. So it worked better than I thought it would. But afterwards, I was kind of gassing about it and going, that was so fucking good, oh my God, that was so great. And I realised like half an hour later that I didn't even mention the choir when I was kind of chatting about it. Yeah. Because 
I was so excited about just seeing. Um, oh, we did this before. I can't remember how many people are in the roundhouse. More than two thousand, <laughs> but less than five thousand, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. like two and a half or something like that. Um, so it's a few thousand people, like belting along to these while she sleeps songs. Some of which are like you know seven, eight years old now, um, and it just felt so good. It felt like a band that are getting the kind of recognition and crowd response that I think their music deserves because I still believe that they've written some of the best albums of the last 10 years and yeah. to see it live was just well, well we've seen it live before but to see it live on that level with that many people inside such a prestigious and gorgeous like well-rounded venue no pun intended um, was just Merlin a no, well-rounded venue did but, you say yeah because it was like <laughs> it's a really awful way of putting it Jesus um, but yeah, because the, the, the Roundhouse is a big round venue and it just, I, I think it's the best venue in London because it just always looks and sounds amazing in there and to see a band like Sleeps just absolutely crush the shit out of it was just yeah. so no, satisfying. It felt really vindicating, I think. I know what you mean about the sound in a way, but I mean, I always struggle with this because I've talked before on this podcast about how I've got tinnitus and sometimes the sound feels off to me at certain gigs because maybe it resonates differently mm. with me to other people or whatever. And I did think Straight From The Path and While She Sleeps were slightly too loud for what I would have wanted. Right. Um, it was fine. It wasn't like, you know, super, super, super loud. But I definitely feel like the choir could have been up and everything else could have been down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was slightly unpleasant at times, like the loudness for me personally, but probably everyone else would have been fine. I'm very picky about it. So. No, it's fine. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't have it. I don't have tinnitus. Tinnitus. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to remember how you said it when I was about to say it. Uh, I don't have it to the same level you do, okay. so I didn't notice it as much at the gig. But um, yeah, it just felt like, I mean, it, it's, it, we're only at the beginning of March and we've already had Parkway doing Ali Pali. Uh, sorry, yeah, no, Parkway doing Ali Pali, Architects doing Wembley, Behemoth playing a, a hugely well-received gig at a sold-out forum. And now we've got While She Sleeps doing the Roundhouse. It's just... People might think it's our jobs to say, oh, Matt was great, but it really does feel like there's just kind of triumph after triumph after triumph at the moment. There's something in the water. Like, everyone at every level is kind of stepping up and just doing everything to the best of their ability. And it's just, it's so fucking exciting. Yeah, it is. I love it. Hook it to my veins. <laughs> I love metal. <laughs> Yay. Um, I'm sure there was loads more I wanted to say about the gig, but I've completely forgotten it because of the weekend. I just, just it dissolved. Was great. I mean, it was. It was. Um, I thought the new song sounded good. I'm still not completely sold on the album. I think it's really good, but I'm still not quite sure about some elements of it. Um, you know, I've, generally speaking, even though we get uh, albums early as part of you know reviewing as and part of our job, often Ellen and I find that we don't end up really digging into something until it's out because uh, a lot of the time we have to listen to advances on geo-locked streams that we can't download so we can only listen to them in the office which isn't the best blah 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 that's all boring stuff my point is that I've only really been digging into it properly for about three or so weeks and if there's one thing while she sleeps have taught me is that um, it's worth sitting with their music for a bit so I'm not sure on the album as much yet but live I thought they sounded excellent and it seemed like everyone was already well in tune with all the stuff that they've released so far so all the, all the new singles just went down great everyone was singing yeah it felt good it was a Friday night and people were in a good place it was very fun 
Yeah, game. it was awesome. It's just, just great. And to hope, I just hope it continues for them now. You know, I mean, what could they do a Brixton with the right support? Who knows now? I didn't think they'd get to the roundhouse. So. Yeah. Oh, what was that song where they were just having people crowd surf over and over and over and over and over? Oh, uh, I can't remember. It was, it was really near <laughs> the end. Yeah, I can't remember. There was one where they're like, I'd have to look at the can we get all the security in? And all the security looks like not excited about what was going to happen and they just got everyone to crowd surf and it was literally I don't think I've seen that much crowd surfing at a gig for a while because it was crazy, everyone was going over like every second over and over and over and over and over yeah I think it might have been Hurricane yeah um, but um, yeah it was just so cool because this is the other thing with while she sleeps like it feels like they haven't really done a proper kind of like event gig for years like they did they did like a couple of they did a tour which were like really small venues right at the start of the last album cycle and then they didn't really come back again properly after that yeah um and i think even on brainwash as well like their touring patterns were just a bit off it never really felt like that had that kind of that like confirmation gig where it was like this is what it's all been building up to and i think it, it felt like long overdue for them to do this big cap off uh what's been a, a roller coaster a few years for them um, and yeah, there was so much crowd surfing, and I, I took this photo that I put on Instagram where it's like you've got crowd surfers, people sitting on each other's shoulders. Like it was just, it's what it's what heavy music's all about for me. I just thought it was fucking great. There were two girls in front of me for straight from the path, singing every word and going crazy, and it was really, I was really enjoying their enjoyment because really? they were just loving it so much. And I was like, oh, I wonder how much they'll be loving while she sleeps. Like if they're like this was straight from the path, that's going awesome. to like liner. I think and they then, brought out you from Straight for the Path for a summer as well. Yeah, actually. they did, yeah. This is quite cool. This is kind of like relay around the sky. Sort of thing, yeah. Front men coming out. Um, but then they weren't in front of me for while she sleeps. And I was like, oh, that's a shame because I really wanted really? to see how they reacted. And then I saw them on the stage. They got on the stage in the middle of the what? set. What? Oh, then? <laughs> yeah. I saw those two. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going on. but Yeah, yeah. Much, I was yeah. sitting with my missus and we were watching little, it. And I was turned around and we were like, around. who the fuck's that? Like, people just dancing about. Interesting. Celebratory. How very strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shower while she sleeps. It's nice to see them getting the, the kind of status they deserve, and I hope it continues from here. Um, New issue. What? While she sleeps. Oh, yeah. Thanks. You just panicked me there, and I was like, well, I forgot him. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> if you want to read more about while she sleeps, which you definitely should, our Stephen Hill uh, went over to France with them. Um, for the very first show of what proved to be a, a huge U- uh, European tour, excuse me, um, and he went behind the scenes with them. And, he, and if you want to hear the kind of definitive story inside, as I said, what was a pretty mental album in um, in uh, so what, uh, you need to pick that up because they have a lot of interesting stuff to say about why why they've kind of gone with a bit of a kitchen sink approach. I think it's fair to say on the new album. Um, so you can hear all about that in the new issue, which is out right now. Good. Thanks, Elle. You're welcome. Glad someone's on it. (laughs) (laughs) Is there some news to talk about? There's some big news. Some long-awaited Slipknot news. Uh, What's going on? The new album. They've got a date for it. It's August. A date? The 9th. No title? No. Couldn't be bothered. Just gave us a date. (laughs) I don't know. Is there? No, there isn't. I haven't heard anything. No, there's no... No, the new album is officially out on August 9th. Big news indeed. Um, and they've Put announced it in your diaries. Yes, you should. Uh, so make it Slipknot Day. <laughs> should we have Slipknot Day on August the 9th? We should have Slipknot Day. Should what we a give ourselves idea. a holiday and get a cake? Yes, and just sit at home in boiler suits, <laughs> just eating cake. 
August the 9th, that's going to be This holiday sounds rubbish. August the 9th, it's going to be like 30 degrees. Yeah, let's not do that. I'm not wearing a boiler suit. A boiler kini. Let's... That sounds uncomfortable. Um, Anyway, the new album's out on August 9th. It's fine. Uh, And they've also announced a big US tour with Volby, Gajira and Behemoth. That is going to be mental. Gajira and Behemoth, that's great. It's another US tour, damn it. Like the Corn and Alice in Chains one. I need to go to the US several times. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I mean, you can see Slipknot in the UK with Diavert and Trivium and I think Power Trip and a ton of other good bands that downloaded this. Very fair to mention. Yeah, that's going to be wicked. Yes. Although, uh, interesting, um, we'll go into this a bit more later because someone asked a question about it, but interesting that the, the album is coming after most of the touring. I think it's actually coming in the middle of that US tour, which is unusual. It is, isn't it? Yes. Uh, in other news, Bloodstock have announced more bands. Um, I mean, it's just so metal. <laughs> Aborted, <laughs> Skeletal Remains, The Lazies, uh, Three-Headed Snake, Boss Keloid. You like it with them, don't you? Yeah, all right. Dust Bold <laughs> and Red <laughs> Method. <laughs> Convincing. Um, I do like them. Yeah, no, no, can we, yeah, we, can't, we did a feature on them last yeah, year. Yeah, Melted on the Inch, that yeah. was their last record. Uh, so yeah, Aborted, Skeletal Remains, The Lazies, Three-Headed Snake, Boss Keloid, Dust Bolt and Red Method. Bloodstock looking absolutely fucking hench. I'm going to have to say I've not listened to Skeletal Remains or Three-Headed Snake, but I'm about to now because they've got the best names. I've not listened to The Lazies and I don't want to because something makes me uncomfortable about the way they've got that Y in their name, it looks wrong What, the me. Y and the S? Yeah, it's grammatically instead wrong Instead of like me. I-E-S. don't like it. I hope it's a reference to some cool thing I don't know about. Oh well, what else is going on? Hell yeah, I've announced a special show to honour Vinnie Paul. It's going to be on May the 11th at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. Amazing. If you are if you happen to be listening and you're in that part of the world, I think you should definitely get down to that. That would be uh, a Do special night. Do we know who's playing? Now. No, they haven't announced yet, no. But um, yeah, Vinnie Paul's still unbelievable to think that he, he's not with us anymore and yeah. he's, uh, his, his bandmates are going to do something special to honour the man himself, so... If you're about, if you're in Vegas, <laughs> get the fuck down to that. What are the wonderful people of facebook.com forward slash Melthammer readers asking us today? <laughs> no, just turned to me with this really like satisfied, victorious face because he'd managed to read out a link. So prize for you. As I have every time for about six months now, by the way. Matt Heeks asks, when it comes to reviewing festivals, how are the bands divided between you all? Do you have a say in who you review and are there any bands you have refused to cover? Um, so I guess this is a little bit of a confusing one because with, with us, we're kind of on editorial. So when we go to festivals, uh, often there's a lot of other stuff we have to do as well. Um, you know, there's people we have to do meetings with and like various other boring shit um, that comes with the territory. Um, so we don't really do as much reviewing now as uh, we would have done. But when it comes to um, our kick-ass freelancers who do a lot of reviewing for us at Download each year and at Bloodstock as well, of course, amongst others, um, that's all down to the main man, Jonathan Seltzer, reviews editor. Jonathan Seltzer, Jay Seltzer. Jay Seltzer. Uh, he will base, you know, Jonathan knows his reviewers very well. He knows our writers very well. Um, so he'll have a good idea of who's kind of into which bands and even if they're not necessarily into them who can give a kind of fair uh, and and reasonable um, kind of take on a band so he'll kind of divvy it all up um, and and, 
give it to give, give different reviews to people accordingly. Um, and yeah, sometimes you, it means that as as has happened with us in the past, like we have done lots of reviewing over the years, uh, you do end up doing bands that you probably rather not be doing. But at the same time, um, I think sometimes that's how you get surprised and you get to yeah, see something you weren't expecting. You know, definitely. I remember when. Um, uh, I can't remember who it was now. Someone, someone was reviewing Parkway Drive at Download a few years ago. I don't know, they were not a big Parkway fan. It might have been Dom Lawson. And he came away kind of being like, actually, they're, they're really good live bands, you know. And I think um, it might, I don't know if it would have changed his opinion on them, but it, it would have at least shown that you don't always know exactly what you're going to get when it comes to festival crowds, which is cool. So, yeah. I remember a sad time when we were all at Download and there was a minibus that we all had to get that left the download site and we had to get the minibus in order to get on our train and as we were driving away from the festival site I could hear Disturbed and oh, I was really upset no. but I couldn't stay because I needed to get the train we had to go to the next day and the train was all sorted out yeah. and I was like oh hey. sad yeah, that, yeah that's, I mean that is uh, so festivals are a funny one because it can end up being quite hard work and um, because when you're in work mode, whether you are, um, as I said, doing meetings or kind of doing interviews, um, which takes up a lot of our time as well, if we're, if we're you know, getting a, a ton of interviews done over the weekend, um, or you're doing reviews, it can, you know, it's a bit of a slightly different experience to just getting mashed in Glastonbury for four days. I love that, <laughs> I love that element of surprise though. I'll often go with um, some of our freelancers to go and see bands that they're reviewing that I wouldn't have necessarily gone to watch. Yeah, definitely. And you just always get to see different things. Yeah, totally. That's freaking lovely. And we will be there in force yeah. for download this year and for Bloodstock and others as well. We'll be doing plenty of festivals around the world this year, so watch this fucking space. <laughs> Matt G asks, with Slipknot's new album and possibly Tools as well not coming out until after they play download, are you disappointed at, at all about all this? I'd still happily see both bands, but it still would have been nice to hear the new albums first and be familiar with the songs before then hearing the new songs played live. So is it a bit of a bummer when a band is about to have a new album out and then they play before you can actually hear it? I don't think it's a bummer, just because to me that means they'll have the album out and then they're going to tour the album. So I'm kind of like, well... Yeah, you don't get to hear it, but then hopefully that means they're coming back and then you get to hear it. Yeah, definitely. It's Maybe that's an obvious thing to say, and it it shouldn't matter anyway because you know, effectively, what he's saying is you could hear it twice. You know, if they had a record out, you get to see them at that show and hear the songs, and then if you want to go and see them again on that tour, then you can go and see them and hear it again. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm just if I like the band, I like the band anyway, and then I know I'll probably be able to go see them on the album cycle. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because festivals as well. You know, if it's Maiden. Um, for instance, I would want to hear new songs live. You know, I always want to hear new stuff. Or I want to hear rarities. I want to hear something different. Oh, if, but you if want to hear ACDC, the hits otherwise, yeah. Like, if I'm, if I'm going to see ACDC headline download, I just want to, I just want to see a great hit set. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, especially given that a new ACDC album is going to sound like an old album, but probably not quite as good. I mean, yeah, with Slipknot at all. I would really... I've just completely changed my mind on this. <laughs> with Slipknot like at all, I love those bands and I would love to hear new music this year live. So, 
yeah, that would be great actually. Yeah, it's weird. Slip, Slipknot are, are, are the kind of band where I do feel like I have seen them a lot now. Yeah. And a lot, you know, in between uh, All Hope Is Gone and um, The Grey Chapter. Obviously, there were some very extenuating circumstances with Paul dying and, and Jerry leaving the band. But it kind of felt like I'd seen the Slipknot show a lot. And then now it's kind of like... I don't know, really. I mean, I guess download, you know, they might have a couple more new songs out Yeah, there. basically, I get to see my favourite bands, so I'm not going to cry about it either way. But mm. Yeah, stop crying, Matt, that's what I'll say. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> that's not what I mean, I get Matt's point. I love those bands, so I want to see them anyway. But yeah, like, actually thinking about it, obviously it'll be cool to hear a new song because it's something new to get excited about. It's yeah. a new experience. So I totally see where you're coming from. But, but yeah, and, and, and like I said, like if the Slimmer album's out in August and they're playing Download in June, I think there's a good chance, you know, they've already put one new song out there. Yeah. It's probably a good chance there'll be a new song or two, yeah. which is kind of all you need really for Slipknot, I yeah. think at this point. Um, do, well, and despite do, what I just said, they will probably have new masks by then, I imagine. New, new, new show, hopefully. New production, new outfits. So yeah, it'll still be a different experience, won't it? Yeah. Tooled, you just don't fucking know. The other, the other thing of this, of course, is um, the album might be bum. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, you don't want to be new songs like. That's you just never know, do you? That's such a male thing to say. Well, the it's album true. Might be bum. Like uh, uh, bands can put out shit albums, so. I, are, I don't think that's going to be the case with Slipknot and Tool, to be honest. These but are two bands that I'd find it really hard to think their albums were shit. I'll openly say that. They'd have to be properly shit for me to think they're shit in a sense because I like the sound of, and the aesthetic and what those bands are. When was the last time you listened to The Great Chapter? This is a long pause. Yeah, so... I don't that's, remember. I'm the same. I haven't listened... I, I listen to The Devil and I still a lot. Yeah. That's like on mixes I play. I think that's one of the best um, kind of, well, I was going to say modern songs. Yeah. Best songs off the last couple of albums. Um, but, but really, I haven't, I haven't listened to that album much. It was, it was okay, I thought. It was good for what it was. I feel like Slipknot need to come back with something that's really, really, really fucking good now. But then I just kind of, I think I sort of forget to because it's, they're sort of out of sight. Do you know what I mean? Like out of sight, out of, out of mind kind of thing. Because... We have been talking about them a bit for releasing new music, but I don't know, like, when I come to put new music on, I'm thinking, what's out now that I'm going to listen to, or what do I really, really love from the past? And it's kind of what springs to mind. And Slipknot haven't really been in my mind very much recently, I guess. Mm. If someone puts that record on, I'll be like, oh, I love this song, I love this song. But yeah, I can't say when I last put that record on. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it was a good album, but I think, you know... It's been it's, a long time. It could, I think it could... Uh, and the single gave me hope, you know, All Our Life, that's what it's called, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, that was a really decent uh, single that they put out. So I think, I would, just, I would just love it for Slipknot to come out and just absolutely kill everyone. Just completely, completely steal the summer with like, um, and genuinely, not just like, this is really good, not just like, this is better than I thought it was going to be, like a really genuinely amazing Slipknot album. I'd love that so much. So we'll see. Again, Let's tall. No, I do. Let's and have some ice cream. No, we. Um, you can do this next one. <laughs> Which one are we doing? You. Come we've, on. We've done this question before. Are you Hugh, sure? I think so. We can do it again, though. We can do it again because it's you. Hugh Thomas asks, have you ever been put off an entire genre or subgenre because you didn't like what you heard from the band that introduced it to you? For example, 
I used to think I didn't like death metal, but it turns out I just don't like Cannibal Corpse. What's <laughs> wrong with Cannibal Corpse? Yeah, what's wrong with Cannibal Corpse? Uh, uh, I didn't go near um, any extreme metal, really, until I listened to melodic death metal. So I would say, actually. It was kind of like, it wasn't just like I heard one band. Uh, to be honest, I probably would have heard a band like Cannibal Corpse because they were on like Ace Ventura and they, they were a little bit more, had a little bit more of a mainstream, you know, permeating reputation and stuff. So I, I did, I just, anything, any kind of glimpse of truly extreme metal was just too much for me. And I, I listened to Fear Factory and then I kind of glanced off into In Flames, Arch Enemy, Soilwork, At The Gates. And then I was away. And then I kind of got into proper death metal. Um, and I was kind of listening to Cradle a little bit around that time as well. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, I just quickly agreed with you, but I actually am going to take it back. <laughs> I think, wow. I think Your probably, opinions are very fluid today. They are, aren't they? I think <laughs> I agree with you in the sense that that was the time I first found stuff that I liked, melodic death metal, because it was more accessible and it was heavy and it was fun. And I kind of went, this is more for me. But I did hear other extreme music before that. Um, I think, uh, well... I went to see the Berserker because I won a Metal Hammer music journalism competition and I didn't Wow. I didn't actually know anything about the Berserker, I just wanted to win this competition, so I showed up to do a review and submit it and had no idea what I was getting into and that was pretty extreme for your sort of first extreme metal gig. And from there I did go and see other extreme bands, but yeah, I didn't really kind of feel like things clicked for me probably until listening to some more melodic death metal but mm-hmm. I was thinking about deathcore just because it sort of came up when I wasn't so can't think of the word interacting with new music so much I was kind of in a busy part of my life and deathcore was the new thing and I was still listening to the old things and not really engaging so much with trends I guess you would say and everyone obviously was going on about bringing the horizon and I was like this band of shit and just kind of thought this isn't for me but we've since obviously done stuff on Carnifex and other bands and you're like these bands are cool but I did not like those first Bring Me albums they were shit to yeah, me absolutely <laughs> yeah are you did you not even like Suicide Season? Uh, what was the one song in it that I liked? well that's got Chelsea Grin on it and it's got um, oh god I can't even remember now yeah exactly the famous Deathcore songs that they play confused no, no, casual fans with now. No, I didn't like them until the one where they did in the ambulance. What? There is a hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> Bit slow today. It's as fine. always. Um fair enough. What musicians don't get or never got sorry, that threw me there. What musicians don't get or never got the recognition they deserved because of the bands they played with? Uh, that's from Ross McLeod and he's he's added I always thought Mick Mars was overlooked as he played with Crew which I think is a very good shout although I really like Molly Crew so I would go for Wes Borland oh I thought about putting him and then I wasn't sure if he was if he maybe has had recognition yeah Yeah, because obviously he left Limp Bizkit for a while and came back with his tail between his legs (laughs) (laughs) we don't really know why he came out I've got no idea no I just made that up he's I think he has talked about it before and kind of missing being in the in the band. Like with Limp Bizkit as part of the band and with the other bands he went to play with, he was in the band as part of the musicians. Mm. I, I'm not expressing that very well. But thank God he came back. He was, you know, he, he was, was literally one of my favourite guitarists. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I think 
you know, that was the thing, but he's very uniquely creative and has a lot of interesting ideas and um, it's got stuff to say and, you know, maybe if you looked at Limp Biscuit and you didn't know anything about them and you saw a man in an outfit, you might really not know what it was all about. Yeah, true. No, he, I mean, he, he's, he was... Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a fair point. If you don't like Limp Biscuit, you're probably just going to assume Wes Borland isn't worth bothering with, but to me, he's one of the best riff writers Metal's ever had. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Who else you got? Clown. Because again, like, coming at it from the point of view, if you don't know a huge amount about Slipknot and you just see a man in a clown mask running around and hitting a drum, you don't necessarily <laughs> know that he was one of the co-founders and responsible for the band's creative vision and that he has a huge amount of input on that side of things. Mm. And again, it's quite an intense and very creative man. Fair. So you're saying as an artist, really, rather than a musician specifically in that case? Um, I don't know as a musician, because we did the feature recently celebrating Slipknot's uh, The Anniversary of All Hope Is Gone, and there was some very interesting stuff in there that we pulled out about how when they were making the record, they almost split into two groups, with the main group going on to write a record, and Clown having a splinter group of musicians who went on to write other music which wasn't included on it, but he still has. And he's kind of hinted that maybe he'll release that one time. So he's obviously a very good musician as well, but it's maybe his vision is more skewed and doesn't always make it into the full Slipknot experience, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, eight yeah. people. So you're going to have a lot of... There's a lot of people there with an opinion and a lot of people trying to be heard or work together in a certain way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think just... It's just interesting, isn't he? Whether or not you necessarily would like the music he produces or you like his aesthetic visions, he's an You can't imagine person. Clown without, uh, Slipknot without no, Clown. You just can't. Even yeah. though he's not as, you know, you know exactly what Mick does, you know exactly what Jim does, you know exactly what Joey, now Jay, Joey did, now Jay does, you know what Corey does. Um, but yeah, Clown's, Clown's, Clown's like, Clown's like the, it's weird, he's like the soul of Slipknot. You He's could, like you such a that, vital yeah. part of what that band is. Um, I mean, yeah. you could probably make that argument for any of the members, but in terms of, again, the image and the sort of vibe, I guess, was sort of not hostility, but the energy and the kind of um, unhinged feel of it. Mm. You definitely feel like he's the one kind of yeah, exactly. driving that. From Maybe soul's the wrong word. More like the, I don't know. Whatever the, like like unhinged version of that of that, of that <laughs> rhetoric is the bit that makes you do something that you're not sure if you should do yeah. but it, it wants you to do it so it does it yeah that thing the ego or the id I mean is that, that the, the one of that's the what ones? I was going to say but I was like shit which one is it <laughs> <laughs> the naughty one well some, that's yeah, someone come and tell us what it is someone who's I can't remember it's been so long since I've studied that yeah, uh, who else have you got but un- underrated metal musicians Jordan Fish oh I've got him as well because again I'm not sure how people view from the outside whether they think is underrated or not in that sense but I think that's the question though isn't it hugely when he joined the band and we were I was just obviously saying that they kind of put me off deathcore as it were and I just did not like the early material but when he came in and they started writing songs with more melody and that were more accessible but also combined with again with that Swedish melodic death metal sound that they really started to turn towards on Sem Paternal because they produced it at Studio Fredman, didn't they? Mm-hmm. With um who's the producer? 
Help me. Which album are you talking about? Uh, Sam Paternal. Oh, uh, Terry Day. Have I got this horribly wrong? Are you so, thinking of Frederick Nordstrom? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he, no Fred, Terry Date did some paternal. Right, well, that blows that argument out of the water. <laughs> Oops. Well, let me, I've got that wrong then. It was Terry Date, you're right. But they kind of combined that sort of Swedish melodic death metal sound with accessibility. And that's yeah, when yeah, I started yeah. liking them. Um, so I would say he has obviously brought a lot to them. Yeah, no, I would, I would totally agree. Yeah, Frederick Nordstrom did, uh, like there was a hell when he did the other bits. Research people, that's what you need to do. Before you say <laughs> um, no, yeah, I draw as well. I think, but I think you're right. I think it is about outside perspective because if you're a Motley Crue fan, you're probably going to love Mick Mars as a guitarist. But Motley Crue got written off by a lot of metal fans because it, you know, it was quite on quite music for girls or it was glammy or whatever. Um, so I think if you just ignore Bring Me the Horizon and you don't care about what they do, you're probably not going to care about what their keyboardist does. But yeah, exactly to what you said, Jordan has been such an important part of their evolution. And I thought Ammo was much, much better than That's the Spirit. And the reason for that is because it went further into a lot of dancing stuff. And I'd love to hear Jordan do like an all out EDM album. I'd be fascinated to know what that sounded like. I was thinking of There is a Hell. Yeah, I know. So I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, who else have you got? Um, that's it. Oh well. Good. My time to shine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got Rich Ward, our mate from Fuzzy and Stuck Mojo. Um, I think that I thought I actually thought the last Fuzzy album was really good. I thought it was the best thing they've done by a good distance. Um, but I think Rich has Rich has always kind of been a staple in kind of like like just kind of basic meats and potatoes metal bands. Um, but the dude really knows his way around the riff, and he really like I mean I feel stupid saying it because he's the professional guitarist, but like he he's such a lover of the craft and a disciple of like truly great guitar music. Um, I actually did a thing on on Jericho's podcast where we. Uh, did like a classic album clash and it was all about uh, the Randy Rhodes Aussie albums and to hear Rich um, speak so passionately about about um, about Randy's work and, and what it meant to him and stuff you know the dude the dude knows his shit and he knows how to lay down a decent heavy metal riff but I think maybe because of the bands he's worked with he gets overlooked a lot um, I've also put John Five but kind of more because he's become recognised as a guitar virtuoso which maybe to my ignorance, but when he was in Marilyn Manson, I didn't have him pegged down as that kind of guy at all. And he's kind of become embraced by like the guitar playing community since then. So he's not really, he's not really underrated now, but I think he's a good example of someone that kind of uh, outshone his, his, his past work because he's become one of the most respected uh, guitarists in modern metal, I think. So fair play to him. I was trying to think of keyboardists because I figure there's probably a lot of keyboardists out there as we we're just talking about Jordan Fisher obviously just keys and programming mm. uh, who probably don't get the recognition that they deserve uh, I was trying to think of um, Dream Theatre I've got Jordan and he he's quite recognised and in Powerwolf they have um, 
It's Folk Maria. I mean, if that dude he isn't goes, recognised, no, no, he does no. his hardest to be recognised. Like, they really make a big deal out of him because they have this weird kind of track that runs around the stage and he kind of goes around this track and plays yeah, like keys. A, so. What do you call it? A travelator? No, because it's like a... A, a flat escalator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's on, but it's also, the keyboard's on rails, isn't it? So it's not really like... Oh yeah, true. But they really make a thing out of him and sort of make him into a star because it's like Power Wolf is a big power metal band and the keyboards really play a role in it. But I was trying to think if there's any other keyboardists who you kind of don't really notice because I'm sure Yeah, you definitely notice it. We were laughing because when we went to see Power Wolf with, uh, I think it was with Epica, wasn't it? Yeah. In um, Shepherd's Bush Empire. And the, the keyboardist <laughs> is really like, he's almost like a co-front man. He's so like all over the place in a good way. Oh well, let's go on to the next question, shall we? Okay. You know you've got. You know it's time to move on when you're talking about Power Wolf. Oh, harsh. <laughs> I like Power Wolf. I know their lyrics. Fine. Resurrection by erection. Well, Kevin Collett asks. Oh, this is a tricky question. <laughs> oh mate, he's about to get a shellac in. How much trouble do you think I'll be in with my wife? When she finds out, when she finds out, I got a ticket to see Barry tomorrow, the Saturday before Christmas, which completely goes against what we discussed doing for Christmas with our parents. <laughs> Mate, you're fucked. So he and his missus have decided how they're going to oh spend dear. Christmas, which is clearly portioning it out in some way between the various families, and he's just gone and got a gig ticket to see Barry tomorrow. My man. On the Saturday before Christmas. My man. He's going to get a divorce paper for what Christmas. What I want to know is. <laughs> If you were going to do this, why didn't you buy her a ticket, Kevin? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's where you went wrong, Kev. <laughs> Should have bought the whole family. Get the whole family tickets and then you've solved all your problems with one go. It's true. Bring old Granny um, Collette along to bury tomorrow. I no think problem. if you're going against plans you've agreed with your wife, you are going to be in a significant amount of trouble. I think so too, but and, um, it's bury tomorrow. That's at the Roundhouse as well, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing. Um... I think maybe, Kevin, you should have thought about this before and built Berry Tomorrow into your festive plans. I think, here's a better idea, why don't you invite Berry Tomorrow around your house for Christmas? That's a good idea. <laughs> Everybody wins. You've solved everything. It's <laughs> I fine. feel like Captain Hindsight could have helped. Yeah, here. Captain Hindsight would have been a great thing. So, yeah. there you go. What a, what a nice metal tradition. Um, Cara on Twitter asked what is your opinion on the new Slipknot album we haven't heard it yet so we don't know what's the opposite of Captain Hindsight Captain Foresight yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're right today no <laughs> let's wrap this fucker up but if Captain Foresight might have a, a view on the new Slipknot album because he's probably uh, well as I said earlier I think it's um, I, I, I hope it's going to be something really special and I think All Out Life is a really good indicator of if if All Out Life is a good indicator then I think we should be in for something really special and I hope we are because I think I think Metal needs Slipknot to feel uh, yeah. relevant and I think with that single it feels like there is an awareness of what people like from Slipknot yeah definitely C- community um, weirdness mm-hmm. brutality blast beats and yeah just that thing of being the outsider but making that thing help me again what is wrong with me <laughs> I thought you were doing right then. I thought I might need a nap <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go take a nap 
in the meantime, everybody should go and get our latest issue out now. It is a world exclusive ghost interview with two separate fucking badass covers. I did the interview, so I promise it's really good. Each ghost cover comes with its own exclusive gifts. And uh, if you go on the Metal Hammer site, by the end of the week, we're going to have a special ghost bundle up as well. And that's going to be very limited edition. So you need to get on that because once it's gone, it's fucking gone. I want to know what it is and I want one. You know what it is and you can't have one. <laughs> Stop shattering the mystique. Sorry. Um, it's really good though. I can promise you that. It's really good. We will be back next week. Um, long live the prodigy. Go fucking blast Fat of the Lands immediately right now. See ya, everybody. See ya. Bye bye.